following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. Great to be with you all once again here tonight. It's a cold evening here in Perth, Western Australia, and I'm, I'm, I'm keeping myself warm as per usual with my glass of red wine. I have this great opportunity here today. This is a first for me to be speaking to a current world heavyweight champion so without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, the one and only Nick Aldis. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Carl, but I have to say, you know, it, it might be sun, it might be the evening where you are, but it's first thing in the morning where I am. So yeah, I'm just going to need you to dial that down a little bit. You're <laughs> sipping red wine, I'm sipping coffee. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this level of energy right off the bat. I apologize, my friend. I fell uh, down over there. <laughs> it's, I'm Australian. This is this is how we are. Um, but <laughs> Nick, uh, b- before I get into the interview, there's there's something that you and I ha- recently we both went through together, and I'm, I'm wearing a shirt right now. Um, my mum's English, my dad's Italian, and uh, when I follow the football, I, I follow England no matter what, even if they're against Italy. And I found myself in a very strange situation of the final. Um, and look, I don't want to bring up too many horrible memories for you, but um, for me, it, by that point of the night in the final, it was six, nearly six o'clock in the morning for me. Um, yeah. I'd had a few beers and I just wanted to get your thoughts on the, the tragedy that took place that day. Oh, uh, you know, I just... I, I think it's, um, unfortunately, it's very indicative of what I've always thought is the biggest thing holding back uh, the national team um, it, when it comes to football is it's, it, there's this a, a very uh, limiting beliefs. Very, you know, I'm, I'm very big on energy and, and uh, you know, having the right kind of mindset and thoughts and uh, and I'm not saying it's their fault. I think it's it's the country's fault as a whole because the, between the tabloids, there is a, there is a, a whole sort of industry that exists based on complaining about how disappointing the team is. Like it's sort of that in itself is now an industry. Like, yeah. oh, who are we going to blame this time? Oh, you know, tragedy. Like. It's it's and and it's a self fulfilling prophecy because right away it becomes this thing of like oh I hope we don't do what we always do which yeah. is you know, play too safe and hold back and uh, you know and, and don't play aggressively enough and you know just move the ball around and don't make enough don't make enough moves on goal and then it happens and it's like I I <clears throat> um, you know I I obviously. You know, America's funny for, for football because, you know, one of the things that makes America great is the fact that it's it is uh, it's a young country, so there is still a there's still very much this sort of feeling of diversity as for as far as immigrants. You know, that there's there are people who really um, take a lot of pride in in their heritage. Uh, you know, Irish or Italian or Greek or you know wherever they come from. Um, and so suddenly when it comes to football, suddenly all these people's nationalities all come out, you know, they're re- like, they're, they're other ones, you know, so you suddenly get all these Americans who are suddenly Italian and, you know, <laughs> you get, you know, and all that sort of thing. Um, so I was having fun with, with a, a few of my friends over here who are Italian Americans, um, you know, some of whom despite never having been to Italy, but you know, there you go. Uh, and, and, but you know, it's like, I said to one of them, when we when we scored in the first, I mean, I lost, I mean, I lost my shit when we scored in the first like two minutes. But at the same time, and again, I, so I'm 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 as much part of the problem as anyone else because it's, it's the first thing I did. I started, I'm, I, you know, I was texting with 
I've got like a little, there's, there's a certain people that I text during football, you know, and it, and one of them was at Wembley. One of my friend, one of my, one of my best friends, Luke, he was at Wembley. Um, so of course he's sending me like videos of them just, you know, going nuts and those sort of thing. But <clears throat> I, right away, we're all going, Oh no, 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 not the early goal. Like it's the, it's the, it's the, throughout history has been the worst thing that can happen to the to the English national team is to get an early goal because right away they just try to go they try to put it in the deep freeze and they start and they try to you know sit back and play this you can't do that with 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 the Italians you know they're too they're way too creative way too strong attacking you know I mean and to play like it you know now it's like I always have the mentality of you know with football so I played to a heart of fairly decent level when I was a kid but it's like if you go one nil up you basically just don't treat it as like that's a win treat it as like now you've got a little bit of a cushion to take a bit more you know a few more calculated risks you know and it's like but I think the biggest issue that and it's and it's a it's a sort of it's a cycle between the media the fans and the players is that nobody wants to be the one who gets blamed like no one wants to be the one who gave away possession, which then led to the goal. Nobody wants to be the one who, you know, missed a, missed a sitter, you know, from, from six yards. No one wants to be the one who, so instead they all just hold the ball, pass it to someone else, you know, just try to keep possession. You know, no one wants to take a risk. Like no one wants to be a hero uh, because they, because they know that, the, it, it, instead of thinking about, well, I could be a hero. I could be the, I could be the one. They're going, oh, but what if I'm not? Like, I'll be, I'll be torn apart by the, by the papers, and, you know, and then, and 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 it's all, <clears throat> and and I, you know, there's no way to fix it. Like, yeah. it's a culture, and it's just, and it's, and to me, I've always felt like that's the biggest thing holding English football back in on the international level because I'm not, and it's not something that only exists in England but it's certainly worse you know like it's it, it's 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 a bit like the sort of it's a bit like wrestling fans like what have you done for me lately yeah you know, like it's sort of like don't worry about you know all the years all the all the miles you've put in all the all the places you've wrestled all the times you've wrestled hurt or sick or all the guys that you've made along the way and stuff it's like if you haven't done anything in the last few weeks or the last few months it's like all right, what have you done? You know, it, it, right yeah. away, same, same thing. I mean, I, I've been going through it recently with, you know, it's like, oh, he hasn't defended the title enough or he hasn't done this. And oh, you know, he's like, it's not up to me. <laughs> like, you know, I'm sitting around making my own matches. Like, no, like, but, you know, but it's, and, and they, they don't, you know, and so, suddenly all the work that was done for the last three years is sort of forgotten about, you know, because it's like now, because you become a target. And yeah that sort of culture is like it's exhausting i can imagine i can imagine i i get exhausted uh defending people all the time and and uh you know i see people in comment sections on the internet the comment section is like the most evil part of the internet because people can create these uh accounts that don't show who they actually are don't have the actual name and they will that you know there'll be an article about somebody and they'll immediately condescendingly who he's never drawn any money blah 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 right, right. like barry horowitz the other week there was an article about him and someone and i just went at him and i'm like how dare you man if it wasn't for people like him the people up above wouldn't be in that position because they need people like a barry horowitz those types Everybody, of guys. yeah well i've always i'm a you know the the, the roosevelt uh matt the man in the arena uh that's sort of my that's sort of my go-to that that really represents how I feel about social media in general and the internet, but it's certainly wrestling, social media, wrestling, you know, the, the IWC, I guess is what people call it, but it, it's, it's the man in the arena thing. I'm always going to have infinitely more respect for the guys and girls who had the courage to take a risk and put themselves out there you know to subject themselves to scrutiny than the ones who who never did who then sort of make a career off of scrutinizing everybody else's stuff yeah. and just like the single source journalism is just like such a toxic part of the industry now where it's like 
somebody with an ax to grind can just send something to someone and they don't verify it. They don't check it. They don't, they just go, Hey, well, someone told me and a source inside so-and-so tells me that this happened, you know, like, it's like, you can't do that. Like, that's not reporting, you know, like no, no, no reputable, no reputable publication would accept that. You can't like, imagine going into an editor and being like, Hey, uh, so-and-so just called me and said, this guy he hates, uh, you know, sells drugs to kids. Like, you know, like, well, are you sure that that's, you know, are you sure you want to print that? Because it, it might just be that this guy's trying to trash this other guy, you know, and, but they don't, yeah. they, just, they just write it, you know, and, and it's like, people believe what they want to believe and it just becomes yeah the, the whole thing it it uh i and i'll say this just from my own um from my own perspective like uh if, if i look I, and i'm i'm you know like everyone's targeted to a certain degree like and i'm sure i am to a certain degree but no no worse than anyone else in my sort of position i guess or a comfortable position but like i don't read it I hate to I hate to break it to anyone who thinks they're you know <laughs> sort of <laughs> cracking through you know but like I go on and I post what I'm posting usually to promote whatever I'm promoting and then I, I get the hell out of there I got too much stuff going on like yeah. I'm running two businesses and I'm contributing you know what I can uh, you know with the NWA and I'm raising a family I'm like I, I, I ain't got time for this absolutely and yeah, it does blow my mind that uh for whatever reason wrestling we're allowed to have journalists uh be able to post uh information out there as if it's you know well they're the well they're the stars now yeah you know like they they, they in their mind they they want they 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 feel like they're entitled to be as big a, a bigger star a bigger name as anyone in the industry you know and it's like okay i don't Problem is, is the problem is, is that we we can't sell tickets for for what you're doing. You know, like the only per, like the only person that benefits from what they is them. Yeah. Like they if they write spoilers, or they write you know, so and so's got heat, or this happened because of this, and blah blah blah. Like the only person that's benefiting is them. Yeah. And and unfortunately, you know, a lot of wrestlers don't understand that, and they're just too busy trying to sort of push their own agenda because they've got an axe to grind or because they want to win whatever little sort of beef they've got going on and they don't realize like well the whole industry suffering because there's it's you know it's harder and harder to create buzz about something it's harder and harder to create any sort of um anticipation for anything because it's like this one guy decided his his site was more important than than you know the fans and 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 all the people that are spending money spending their own money or putting their bodies at risk for the sake of entertaining people it's a bit like i i sort of i haven't and i have to i'll qualify that i haven't i'm not fully up to speed on the whole thing but i've seen a lot of this stuff with ariel hawani and dana white and everything and i like ariel you know i'm a, I'm a fan of ariels but it's like there is some validity to to the argument for the other side, which is like, hey man, we're a private company and you're breaking stuff, like you're breaking news about, you know, so-and-so is gonna fight so-and-so, you know, because somebody told you or whatever. But it's like, they're gonna tell everyone that anyway. So like, it's not, you know, it, this 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 sort of idea that, um, they're doing like journalistic work. Like, 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 we're not talking about the fucking UN here. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, we're not talking about, you know, geopolitical issues that have major ramifications on our world and our society and, and, and you know, that, 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 that a well-informed electorate needs in order to cast a vote. We're talking about wrestling or MMA or whatever. It's like, let them tell people when the time is right. Like, they spent all this money to make it happen. Like, let them make the announcement you know so it's i i kind of see i kind of see both sides of it you know now I, I know that that's and i'm just purely speaking to that particular element of that issue you know like i, I i'm not you know i i don't know anything about dana white or or the way the ufc does business and all of that business with ariel it did it seemed like it seemed like for, for certain there was um you know some like real animosity there and and perhaps 
you know they were a bit stiff on him but it's but i'm just using that as an example because it it sort of it highlighted the same thing i feel about a lot of the guys in wrestling who who post spoilers or sort of you know give away like oh the plans for this person are this and this and let's sort of go like you just it's just sort of you're taking the fun out of it yeah for the sake of your just like for the sake of and the only person who's benefiting is you like you get more clicks and followers and advertising revenue just you like so it's you know it's like like, like let's let everyone else do all the work and spend the money and take the risk and then i'll just sneak in and you know yeah. so you know steal the it's like it's to me it's it's a it's a shaky ground ethically let's put it that way absolutely you know and and uh, in my research in my research i found out that you you're only two months older than me so um i was a fan back you know in the 90s when you didn't know anything and it was so much more fun. And when we in high school realized that there were websites that told you things and all that, we started going on them and the fun got taken out of it. And, you know, they would always have like spoilers up and my friends would be like, Oh, this happens on, on, on raw on Monday night. And I'm like, don't tell me, I don't want to know, but why why are you ruining for yourself? I remember like, uh, yeah, like prowrestling.net. And, you know, I remember, like, I remember those things popping up and being like, whoa, you know, like, oh, I heard there was a fight backstage, you know, or something like that. But I do remember getting to a point where I would sort of start filtering my own stuff, even like I would scroll through that stuff and then go, if I saw like spoilers and stuff, I wouldn't click them. Like I wanted to, I wanted to enjoy it and see, but you know, a lot of the time I would, because also, and I, I guess this was maybe part of me um, already uh, kind of understanding maybe on a subconscious level that I wanted to get into the business. But I remember I would see things on the show and I would think to myself, oh, I wonder if that's a, I wonder if that's like planting a seed. Obviously, I didn't know that term at the time, but, uh, you know, but in my subconsciously, I'm going, oh, I wonder if that means that down the road, it's going to head, you know, and then I would then I would purposefully not want to see any spoilers or anything like that because I wanted to see if I was right. You know, I wanted yes. to see if my instinct was, I wanted to see if I had good instincts, you know? And so then if it did happen, I'd go, Oh, I knew it, you know, like, you know, <laughs> and, and I, you know, you learn about booking and things like that, that way, because if you, if you're sort of studying it without, you know, the problem is I think a lot that happens with the rest it's become so over intellectualized, like everyone sits there and you know who have never done it never like <laughs> never written anything never booked anything never wrestled never done anything and then but because they've read sort of theories essentially or hypotheses on sort of what's good booking versus bad booking for example whatever they they you know and now that's now they're suddenly going this you know this like it's like they start sort of throwing out their opinions on on this stuff and they don't and half the time i'm going like well hold on this angle just started you don't even know where they're going with it you know like that's the that's the part that's kind of that's taken a lot of the fun out of it for me is that i just i was actually talking about this as as a guy who goes to my gym who is like he's uh he is what i would call today a casual fan but even he as a casual fan even he is like reading, you know, dirt sheet stuff and and all that kind of thing because of social media. Like it's he's not go he's not a subscriber to Meltzer or you know Wade Keller or whatever. But he's but because of Twitter, it's like it's just it, you can't avoid it. It's like right in your face. So then he's going like, "Hey, I heard that the, you know this and that's going to happen." And I'll be like, "I don't know." And I'll be like, you know, or he said something to me that was sort of like definitive, like this is, you know, this is, this is this, and this is that. And I was kind of, and I looked at him and went like, how do you know that? And he was like, well, I'm just, I'm just saying, I was like, no, you don't know. That's the point. You don't know. But like what, what's we've, we've lost. um, What's happened is in, in what I see anyway, is that we've lost this ability for people to say, in my opinion, I think, 
it's always people start these they say these incredibly opinionated things about a certain person or a certain company or a certain you know whatever and they go everybody knows that blank like no they don't <laughs> you think it's like the whole fucking oh who's the best there hey this is a subjective medium there is no such thing as the best there is no way to there is no quantifiable metric there's no way to measure it other than who drew the most money like that's the only metric and even that is like even that obviously requires some interpretation because it's like everyone knows that you need a bit of it's you know you you need the support of the promotion as well so it's like it's the it's a, you kind of have to go well this particular act is the most successful you know and but again you could people 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 very rarely say so and so is my favorite wrestler they say so and so is the best wrestler no <laughs> yeah. he's your favorite yeah like and that's cool man good for you like it's cool that he's your favorite trust me no one not no one i know and i know quite a lot of people you know <laughs> across most of the major promotions no one i know is losing any sleep about being who's about who's considered the best do you know what i mean yeah like no one's sitting there going like, i can't <laughs> believe that so and so said that you know they, but it's like these these guys so these i see these people online and they just lose their minds i know and i'm just going like what do you care like what do you like these guys are making money from you they don't do you know what i mean like you they don't need you to fight their battles for them they just you you vote with your money right like if you like them buy their shit pay that you know pay to see their pay-per-view don't strip hey tr maybe don't watch it illegally online you know, yeah. like, you know, and stuff like that. It's like it, the whole thing just gets exhausting, man. I tell you. Oh yeah, especially from like my point of view as a fan, uh, it gets tiring seeing all the AEW and the WWE fans just constantly arguing. It's hot. Like I've I've never seen it as toxic as it is right now. I remember when Very, I was twelve years old. Yeah. WCW, WWF. We. We all liked both companies. I was <laughs> going to say everyone, right? Everyone watched both, right? Yeah. Like, I what like I definitely considered myself more of a WWF kid, but there was, but I never sat there and went WCW sucks, you know? Like I like don't get me wrong, I remember towards the end, like tuning into like whatever we could get, or you know, in British. Uh, broadcasting of of WCW was always a, was a, is a whole is a whole sub sub subsection uh, sub in and of itself because it's just bizarre. But like, you know, I remember for a while they had like worldwide on like Channel Five. Yeah, and Channel Five already had a bit of a reputation in the UK as like mm, it's kind of it was a bit like sort of the the the, the lower rent stuff that you know that the other right. the big four didn't want to pick up and like. I remember seeing, you know, and I, by this point, I, and I, and again, it wasn't like I was sitting online going, oh, the WCW booking is terrible. Oh, they should never have done this. They shouldn't have done that, blah, blah, blah. But I had just sort of fallen off. Like I was just sort of not, not as interested. Whereas WWF was red hot and I yeah. couldn't miss it. You know, it's like, I want to see what Rock and Triple H are doing. I want to see what Mick's doing. You know, I want to see what's happening with the Undertaker, Kurt Angle, you know, Edge and Christian. I mean, it was they just I mean, they had such an all star roster and every and everyone was just firing on all cylinders, you know. But I remember like seeing a random episode of like Worldwide and I I feel like Worldwide was maybe they had like an original match, but then the rest of it yeah. was just sort of highlights or whatever. Anyway, but it was one of the ones where they had the blood coming down from the ceiling you know, and and I just and I just remember watching this, just going like, what, what am I watching? <laughs> you know, but I just sort of went, oh, yeah, no, not for me, like, and just, but I didn't, I didn't have to go online and tell everyone. Yeah, 
Like, I didn't have to go and, like, broadcast to everyone that, you know, I'm no longer watching this. Like, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know, like, but it's like, now it's not enough for someone to just not watch something anymore. Now they have to, and it, what it really boils down to is everyone's so insecure that they need, uh, you know, that we've, we've our, our, this, you know, the generation is so narcissistic that they need everyone to agree with them. Yeah. It's not enough that, you know, you have an opinion. It's like, now you need to convince everyone else to agree with you. And Absolutely. I just go like, like, how do you have the energy? I just, that's what I, I see some of this stuff sometimes. Like, and I'll, like, we have social media team and whatever. And every now and then they'll send something to me. And I'll just go like, why are you sending this to me? Like, I think someone's got someone, I, I just go, hey. I said this to them the other day because they said, oh, so-and-so is like trashing you or whatever. And I go, look, just because this person, this obviously unhappy, you know, person decided to spend, you know, a, a way too much of their time and energy today on, you know, trying to be negative towards me. It doesn't mean that I have to spend, I don't, I don't have to give up my time and energy to read it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I it's it's not about it's not about like being sensitive or anything like that. Like no one likes to no one likes people to trash them. No one likes getting their feelings hurt. But I just it's to me I just go like this what how me reading this even. What does this do for me? Like it's not like I'm going to sit here and go Oh man, I, re I suppose I better regroup and figure out a way to make this person happy. <laughs> like, like, it's just not gonna happen. You know, I'm just gonna go. Okay, well, cool, man. I guess there are. I'm sure there are people out. Like I said, I'm sure there are people out there trashing me, and I'm sure after this interview there'll be. But it's, I just go. Like, hey, go for it. I don't. It's you know, I got too much going on. I don't. I'm. I'm probably not gonna read it. And if I do read it, I'll just probably feel sorry for you that you took that much time out of your day uh to you know to 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 do that you could have been doing something more productive <laughs> absolutely bro um we'll get away from this subject now yes. uh but you Please. know i just i just having a lot of fun talking about all of that and i hadn't even got to any of my questions but um i, I oh, wanted to, i guess i'll just skim down to um talking about some nwa stuff um and I don't want to downplay any part of the previous part of your career um, because it's all very important and that's what led you to where you're at uh, right now. But I found this to be interesting and I wanted to know like uh, how it felt for you because uh, I didn't realize it until I did my research that you first won the NWA Wells Heavyweight Championship at CZW Cage of Death 19 on the 9th yeah. of September 2017 at the Rastelli Complex in New Jersey. Um, I just was like, that's so strange that it happened I there in, in front of those fans. Um, and it was obviously with the legendary Tim Storm. Uh, so how was that? Uh, and, and what was it like working with Tim and, and, and working with Tim over the years? Well, Tim, well, first of all, yeah. Tim, I mean, uh, as far as I'm concerned, really like, uh, the, the whole kind of foundation for, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the NWA is today is, was really laid by Tim and I, um, and Tim, you know, played as big a part in that as I did, uh, the whole, yeah, the CZW thing. I mean, even uh, it was, a Dave Lagana was sort of the guy behind it and he knew, uh, he, Again, and this is, and again, I don't want to get into this whole sort of philosophical debate. Like, um, it, let's just say that it, that type of wrestling is not my cup of tea. Yeah. I don't have any, but I don't, it, it's hard to even say that now. You can't say that without, without somebody now taking it as a sort of personal attack on them or whatever, but it's like, it, you know, it ain't for me. Right. But if you like it, cool. I don't understand it. If you do that kind of stuff, Again, all right, like, not for me. Um, but the, they, well, we knew they would, they, they, it, it, they knew they would, uh, we knew that that show would do a good house. Um, there was some tenuous link. Uh, I forget who all the people involved, but there was, 
yeah, someone who was involved in that promotion was also involved with someone that we were working with. So I think it was just a sort of one of those things where it, it was thrown out as a sort of possibility. Um, and for whatever reason, Dave and Billy liked the idea of it being this, they thought it would just be a really unique um, kind of moment in time that would grab attention where people would go, wait, what? Like, yeah. Uh, and I think, and I, and on that, on on that level, I guess it it worked. Uh, you know, I will say this: we had a wrestling, we just had a match, so we had a wrestling match. Yeah, a uh, pretty short one at that. Um, the best thing about, to me, the best thing about all that, like, was not only did, was you know, was it Cage of Death, where just the, the people were doing some just like, un like unbelievably, like unwise things. Uh, and obviously the crowd are very, they're, they're a certain type, um, yeah. you know, that were rough around the edges. But the best thing about all that to me was that Austin Idol was also there. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Because it was just like, and let me <laughs> tell you, there's no one more game than that man. He is like, what are, he really is a legend. And, and I, <clears throat> uh, for, for people who are unfamiliar with him, uh, or if they see him now on NWA Power and they just go like, "What is the deal with this guy? Like, where? Like, why is he?" You you need to go and do your homework and yeah. see some of the stuff that this guy did. I mean, Hulk Hogan has 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 very openly admitted that his idea for Hulkamania came from Idolmania. Like he said that openly, and I think he said it on Stone Cold's show where he said that Austin Idol was doing the Idolmania thing. So I was kind of like, oh, what about Hulkamania? You know, because you could do that back then. Because yeah. if you were doing it in a different part of the country, guess what? Like it doesn't, doesn't exist. You know, <laughs> you could just, I mean, I'm not saying you just rip, rip stuff off, but guys did, you know, they did borrow each other's stuff a lot and kind of re, you know, rework it. But um, anyway, just, for him to show up, I know so many guys from that era who would have shown up to a show like that and been like, one of the fuckers ass and, uh, you know, and buried it and been like, and, you know, been real hard to deal with. Uh, and, and Idol, he, 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 he's been at House of Hardcore with me. He's been at, he was at that, that show. You know, obviously down at the power tape is, and he is always like he shows up and he's like, "All right, what are we doing today, brother?" You know, like he's just a pro's pro. This guy is still like healthy as a horse, like still you know knows how to turn on his gimmick, can cut a promo like with zero notice. You can literally go, "Okay, just cut a promo," and he can do it. I mean, like he has a skill set that you just cannot teach and that it's a kind of real dying art um what he has and i love having him around and um he's been a, he's been a mentor to me in, in a lot of ways but just because of i mean that's probably my favorite part of the tv tapings in atlanta is me and him go get breakfast i we i always take him to breakfast before we go to work and we'll just you know and, and other guys have come like davari came like davari is one of my good, good friends and other guys would come and we just sit there and ask him all these questions like, hey, you know, like, why, like, what was, what was it like? What was it, you know, who, who used to do the payoffs, you know, or like what happened to, you know, when you were working for Vince Senior and, you know, if you didn't like your payoff, like, who'd you go talk to? You know, just all these cool stories. And he would just, you know, and he's just sitting there like really upset. And I know I've gone off on a tangent about Idol, but that was like the, the, despite the fact that going to that show, I mean, I will say this. For, for the CZW guys, there was some great talent at that show. Uh, and and everybody there was very welcoming and, and respectful and very, like, very um, uh, open to the idea. Like, I guess that was probably my biggest trepidation going into that show was I was more worried that they were going to be like, oh, what the fuck is this guy doing here? Like, blah, blah, blah. And, and it turned out that was just the fans that did that. But, you know, it was like, we, it was, a, you know, it, overall, um, it was a good piece of business. I think when you, when you, yes, when you, when you read it, like you did, when you just sort of read it historically, you sort of go, yeah. huh? <laughs> but at the time it sort of made sense in a weird way. 
<laughs> awesome, man. Um, so, okay, so this is like, this is before there's any NWA power and things like that. Um, you guys, it's, it's an interesting situation because the NWA is such a famous brand in professional wrestling. But it's almost like yeah, you have to take this thing now and start from scratch almost, even though it's such a famous brand. You're starting from scratch and you've got to, you've got to build it back up to being prestigious. And not that it wasn't prestigious anymore, but you know, it, it no, needed no, to get back you're, to. You're, you're on track. You're you're on you're on the right track there with what you're saying. It was it wasn't very prestigious. Like it, it was, there was a it it's a it was a legacy brand. Mm, yeah, and um, you know, so finally you do like get the weekly sh like show going on, and um, obviously that was huge, and all, all like a lot of my friends were just like oh my God, Carl, like there's an old school wrestling thing going on right now and they're doing a throwback, but it's kind of got a bit of new school as well. Um, you got power going on. <clears throat> you, you're starting to do pay-per-views now. This is awesome. What else do you think the NWA requires to grow the brand further? Well, now it needs, truthfully, it really needs an infrastructure. It really needs like um, a, a real team. Uh, and it probably needs some funding, you know, the truth is. Uh, the, I, I feel like we've, the company has reached a point where it cannot grow anymore without bringing in people, um, to, you know, behind the scenes. Uh, some of that is happening, um, but hey, look, it ain't my company, so it's, it's not really for me to, to, to discuss but but just in my opinion um right now there's there's a group of us who wear a lot of hats um and i know that people always sort of i think this is one of the reasons why i've become a bit of a target but it's like they sort of take that to mean that like we're all sitting there discussing storylines it's like just so funny to me because it's like that's what you know wrestling fans always immediately think that like the entire management of a wrestling company is just everyone sitting around going, okay, who's going to wrestle who? Like, what's going to be the next car? Like, that's the easy part, <laughs> or it should be. That should be the easy part. You know, it's not always, but it's like, no, the, it, when I when I say that there are those of us like wearing a lot of hats, it's like, I'm like editing and directing and producing stuff and doing, you know, for like, for example, we have this St. Louis weekend are coming up yeah which is like a hell of a lot of work because it's two back-to-back pay-per-views and then two days of tv tapings and, and it's i mean we have a tiny team compared to any other company so like on any given day you have a, a you know a bunch more stuff dumped in your lap like hey athletic commission paperwork or <clears throat> you know uh production plans you know production budgets you know all this sort of stuff and you know, truthfully, what it's what what needs to happen next really is for uh, the company to have a real a real honest kind of discussion amongst like the key people about who do we need to bring in here to help like sort of grow this um, because there's there's a lot of areas that people's responsibilities aren't 100 percent clear and look it, it, i i've i know i know of, of quite a few guys who were kind of in a similar position to i guess what i am now with like ecw for example with yeah with, with, with Heyman, and it was kind of the same thing where it was sort of like <laughs> there is no like somebody i was having a conversation with someone the other day and they uh they they they, they pitched me an idea and i First thing I was at, hey, well, first of all, it's not my company, right? I don't own any of it. I don't, it's, it's Billy's company and anything that happens is up to him. But whatever, uh, I'm sort of going, uh, you know, I can't even remember what the idea was, but I sort of went, yeah, no, I can, I can see some benefit to that. But I just remember saying to them, nothing's going to happen about that right now because it's too far down the list of priorities for a company this size. Like, I agree with you on a like I was you know saying so I agree with you on a on a on every level that this is a good idea. It's just not going to happen because we don't have 
enough people to make it happen. And you know, you you don't want you you want you want to avoid situations like that. You know, you don't want to keep letting opportunities pass you by because we just don't have enough people. You know, we just don't have the team to make it happen. Like this is more important right now. Somebody said to me once, "Hey, maybe run this up the flagpole and do it." And I said, "What what flagpole?" <laughs> But running up the flagpole means I text Billy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like um, I just think people like to sort of they once you're a, once you're some once you have a brand of some once you put once you've produced content of a certain quality, people just sort of assume that it's this big company and you've got offices and like this and that. It's not like not the case here. Um, but look, it's. Uh, it's been very rewarding to be part of something from scratch and to have contributed as much as I have and, and to and to you know just just the fact that we have a show that gets a rights fee at all is is pretty remarkable for for such a short period of time but yeah um the, the really the key thing is you know we'd have to build 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 up the office is what would have to happen for that, you know, for, for the company to really grow and move forward. Absolutely, yeah. And as you were talking about that, it did make me think of ECW, even though it's kind of a little bit different, but also quite similar, you know, like they were now in this spot, you know, on TNN and, and but like they didn't have the infrastructure that could handle right. uh, the mm -hmm. whole thing. You know, they were still editing the show, you know, right. in, uh, in a basement somewhere. Well, and, and the business term for it is critical mass. Where basically, you know, if you um, and it's more of a financial term in the sense that it means that you're you basically start overstretching because in order to grow, you kind of borrow more money or you or you do stuff on credit uh, and all. And I believe that was the case. You'd have to ask Heyman, but I believe that that was part of the issue with ECW was that mm. they had money sitting there that they were waiting for from like pay per view and stuff, but yeah. then they had all this other stuff they had to try to cover. And it's like, uh, you know, and, and yeah, it's it's. Like the, the the killer of you know cash flow is the killer of most small businesses. Um, uh, I don't. That's not an issue. That's not an issue with the NWA. But uh, you know, but in order to grow any more, financing would have to be some. You know, would have to be revisited. I think. I mean, and again, this is just me on the outside looking in. Again, it's not my company. I don't. I don't have. It's not like I'm sitting here looking at the books. You know, it's just. I, I, I'm a small business owner, so I understand sort of on a, you know, on, on a, on a certain level, what, what he's, you know, what, what kind of issues that this, that business faces. Absolutely. Um, so another thing I wanted to bring up was something that I find great about the NWA. It's, it's, it's been great seeing the likes of JTG and, Chris Adonis and Trevor Murdoch and the Pope and a whole bunch of these guys who, you know, we'd seen them previously on other companies' television. And they're finally getting like back into a spotlight again with the national brand. I, I just, I really love it. Like the next thing, you know, I think my friend Kevin was like, bro, Scott Steiner was in the last episode of Power. And they'd be like, man, like they keep surprising me. Uh, yeah. So this is one thing I really like is that there's some like unsung heroes getting the chance to show that they can still do it and still do it at right. a level. Um, just to, you know, a random question, but who is somebody else, you know, not signed to like a major company that maybe you would like to see in the NWA? Um, well, one guy who, who, uh, who I did, who, <laughs> Who would have been? Who probably would have been next? I suppose, except for the fact that uh, WWE brought him back on as a producer would have been Davari, Sean Davari. Like Sean's one of my best friends. We were roommates back in the day, um, and like, you know, he's one of those guys. I, I you know, I've, I've I've had a little bit of it myself, where because he got started so young, people forget how young he still is. Yeah, um, they sort of look at him as like, oh, he's this guy from that uh, from that last era. And it's like, yeah, he's like 35, 36, you know, like, you know, it's like, but, um, and that's kind of the same thing with Chris and, and, uh, and JTG and those guys. It's like, wait, there's all these guys who are seasoned and in like, like in great shape, have got experience, can go and like 
they're not, you know, and they're not being showcased properly because people are perceiving them as sort of like their best days are behind them, which is nuts. Yeah. Because it's like they're just hitting their prime. Again, if you look back at, you know, the, the peak eras of the business, you know, most guys weren't weren't even coming to the WWF until they were in their mid thirties. Yeah, because because WWF didn't want them until like until they ironed out all the kinks and they were like, and they knew and you knew like they knew how to work smart. They knew they could go every night. They knew that they had you know they knew how to control the audience and they knew how to work with anyone. Like, and I, and again what what influence i've had on that whole side of things that's been my that's been my um sort of that's been my messaging from the beginning like, yeah new blood is great but new blood can only be cultivated and improved and 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 molded into you know stars by working with guys with experience can't get that by working with each other yeah okay and you see this time and time again. Some guys got some buzz, and they pick them up, and then they, you know, and they're just constantly wrestling guys their own age, like this with the same level of experience. Yeah. So then, you know, and I think that's where a lot of this sort of over-rehearsed kind of stuff comes from, because like no one's because that because they're not working with guys who go like, look, that's cool that you do all that stuff. Let's figure out a way to do it where we really get the most juice out of it. You know, I, I, I there's, there's, a, there's a guy who I think, and, and again, not trying to pat myself on the back here, Barry Horowitz style, there's a throwback to your Barry Horowitz reference. <laughs> but I've got a pretty good track record. If you look back, I've got a pretty good track record of picking guys that, you know, I think that this, you know, he's going to do something. Yeah. Odinson is like he he's he's the guy that the NWA is using right now that I go like this guy has all the tools is and is like got a just a killer look. I mean it's unbelievable. He just need and and so I said he, he needs to wrestle guys like me. Not to not put myself over, but he needs to wrestle guys who have been around a bit bit longer so that he doesn't keep making these same, you know, little mistakes and doesn't fall into that, doesn't fall into those bad habits to a point where they become permanent, you know? Um, and I was, and I know this just based on when I got thrown into the deep end at TNA, I had no clue what I was doing really. You know, I'd wrestled on, I'd wrestled on the holiday camps in England. So I knew how to do that style. But that style is not TV, not and it's not it's not what I call a money drawing style either. It was a sort of showcase sort of style, very like, you know, in and out, you know, send them home happy sort of style, which is great for a house shows. But it's you know, but, but but if you want to learn how to actually sort of try to draw some money or like you know get some juice out of something and make you know get get the audience to emotionally invest, like you need more than that. But I was lucky because I got, you know, suddenly I'm like 21 and I'm working at TNA and I'm, and I'm getting, I'm working with the Dudleys and Beer Money and like AJ and Joe and, you know, they make, they give me, like Doug is my tag partner. So like Doug's like, you know, completely sort of, you know, steering, yeah. steering the ship for me. And I'm getting, to, and then, I, you know, within a, within six months of me getting, I wrestle Sting in a single, but Sting, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I'm like, I like, and I'm, and and I'm getting like Kevin Nash coming out, you know, taking me out to, to you know to the bar every night, and like and you know I can't stress enough how much of a help Kevin was to me, just just teaching me how to like approach this stuff properly. Joe Samoa Joe has probably taught me more than anyone as far as like the work, like working the ring, uh, and you know. And, and again, nothing against, um, you know, ever, you, you, you play the hand you got dealt, you know, but I thought back sometimes and I would be quite envious of like, I had friends who were around my age who were all, who were in developmental with WWE. And I'd be envious of that, obviously, because it's like WWE is the show, you know, like they're at the show, you know, 
but then I would talk to them and a lot of them were kind of miserable because they're yeah. like, oh, like, you should go to go, you know, so have to go to training every day. And, you know, they sort of felt like they were regressing. And this was before the performance center. I just want to say that this was before yeah. the PC and everything like that. But it was like, and, and I'm sort of, you know, and I, and I appreciated that I had a different, like, again, wasn't, I didn't choose it. It was, it was the hand I got dealt, but I'm sort of going, wow, the positives I can take from this are like, man, I get, Terry Taylor said this to me is you're getting paid to go to college. Like you're getting paid to get like this great education. Yeah. Working with all these guys who have made big money. I was, you know, Kurt and Steiner, who's become a, a, a good friend of mine. Like, you know, a guy who I like, we, you know, we're not, we, you know, we're not, we're not texting each other every day or anything like that. But when we see each other, it's always like big smiles, like big hugs, like, you know, he always asks how my kids are doing. So it's like the, the, the just the, the fact that I was able to sort of be around all those sort of people, like the TNA roster in like 2009. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a fucking all-star roster. Yeah. Like, and I'm like the rookie on the, you know, I, I was like the rookie on the all-star team, you know, and it was just like, God, you couldn't pay for that. <laughs> couldn't pay for that education. Absolutely, bro. And, uh, you know, you, you are only 34 years old, I, I believe that that's correct. Uh, same age as me, 34. Um, you know, you've got uh, so much more ahead of you, which is, you know, exciting. Uh, and I, I think everything's going to be going swimmingly with the NWA in the future with you uh, there as well. And uh, this kind of brings us close to the end of the interview here, Nick. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, I want you to have the chance here to plug anything and everything that you'd like to before I get to my final segment of the show. Okay. Well, uh, first of all, uh, yeah, the, the, the big thing we've got coming up at the end of the month is the return to the chase in St. Louis. Now, to Aussies, that may not mean a whole lot, but to wrestling historians and to certainly fans in the US of a certain age and, and who, you know, in, in this certain geographic area, the chase, uh, the, which refers to the Chase Plaza Hotel in St. Louis, um, was sort of the epicenter of wrestling television in that, in that part of the country for decades. You know, yeah. wrestling at the chase was the television show uh there hasn't been wrestling at the chase since 1984 so to you know uh, for and and for years it the the narrative was always they'll never have it back they don't you know they're not interested they don't want wrestling i even i was i was talking to uh to delirious at ring of honor uh and he was just like man he's like, so cool that you guys are going to the chase you know like uh, you know, for years, people tried to get in there and they just couldn't, they wouldn't have, and they, they would do it. They would do it for us, you know, which is a testament to the work that guys like myself and, you know, and others have put in um, to sort of build that, you know, to build the brand back up to that level of credibility. Um, so back to back pay-per-views, the 28th is the all women's pay-per-view Empower, which of course my wife is, is, uh, is the EP. Uh, she's helping put together. And then NWA 73, the 73rd anniversary of, of, of the NWA. And it's, that's, that's going to be the, that's going to be the sort of culmination of, of what we're doing. That's going to be a sort of tent pole event and we'll be doing TV tapings thereafter. So it's like, uh, if it, it'll, it's, it'll be a totally different sort of vibe to anything else that's being seen, which again, it's, you know, I'm a sort of believer in the Bischoff sort of philosophy of like, can't be bigger than, you can be different then, you know, and yeah. then this is, this will be different for sure. Like it's, you know, if you, if you think of, I wonder what pro wrestling would have looked like in like Frank Sinatra's era. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. basically what the chase, which is funny because at the chase, there's like pictures. I was there a couple of weeks ago to do press conference and all that. And they've been super welcoming to us and they're so excited to have us. And, you know, the general manager is like touring me around and going like, let me show you this champ, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking at on the wall and they're like pictures of president, all the presidents that have stayed there and like the rat pack and, you know, Johnny Carson and all this. And I'm going like, what is going on? Like, why am I being taught around this? You know, anyway. Um, so we're, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just tickled pink about that because it's just a, it's a sort of, I like the fact that the NWA is 
has provided me with these rare opportunities to sort of do things that no one else has done or do things that, you know, bring back things that were kind of a, you know, like you said, like a throwback and people go, wow, that's so cool. So I think if you're interested in, you know, if you're interested in seeing a show that just has a totally different sort of vibe, a totally different kind of energy, um, then, then wrestling at the chase and, and the, and the, and the next season of power that will sort of follow on from it will will totally will totally get that like it's going to look and feel totally different so that's so that's that and those uh those pay-per-views and that then that and that season of the show will be available on fight tv so obviously you guys in can get it there in oz get it anywhere in the world uh, as for me <clears throat> um my uh, my my supplement company legacy sports nutrition is doing really well uh and that's really my other my 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 other love my other sort of focus uh, and we've had we've just launched five new products um, so now in addition to the first five and then the women's stuff we've got 15 products out now uh, something for everyone you know it's not just bodybuilding stuff it's not just for like oh you know meatheads you know gym rats it's 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 there's some really good quality stuff in there that really that will really help you out and everything that we market is stuff that I personally use. And that's kind of how the, that's how the whole thing came about because I started going, God, I, you know, I, I like taking this every day. I feel better when I take this every day. And I just start going, well, I was going to get these formulas and market them, you know? And, uh, so we've, we've seen some really great growth. We're talking to some major retailers, which is a really cool thing to be that, that far along in such a short period of time but um you can get all of those uh i have actually had some orders in australia so i don't you know it's be patient on the shipping you know for <laughs> sure but but yeah uh legacysups.com l-e-g-a-c-y-s-u-p-p-s.com uh, and you can use code aldis a-l-d-i-s um or Aldis, I don't really give a shit. People say people say Aldis and Aldis, and I'm just like whatever, whatever you feel like saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, that, and you can get 10% off your whole order, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Real Nick Aldis or on Instagram at Nick Aldis. I'm verified on both, so just look for the blue check. Don't follow some pretender. <laughs> absolutely bro and everyone out there in the description on youtube you can find all of that in there and um you know we'll make sure that we uh advertise that as much as possible for you nick uh but it comes to our final segment here nick i'm springing it on you it's called five second frenzy it's about 10 quick fire questions is your favorite this your favorite that uh so st straight out of the gate first three about wrestling who is your favorite wrestler of all time bret hart excellent choice your favorite opponent over the years cody rhodes excellent uh your favorite if i mean this is a tough one but the favorite match you if you could look back and pick one what would you pick nwa 70 uh cody and i two out of three falls probably i mean it's a push there's there's a few but that would probably be the one yeah no fair enough uh getting away from wrestling your favorite book oh um there's actually a nice aussie tie-in here uh there's a series it, I, I won't say one book but there's a but there's a series of books as the harriet blue uh, books which are James Patterson. Um, they're and they're, they're I forget the name of them all, but what like one's called Liar Liar, one's called uh, the last one is called Hush. I can't remember what the, the there's a, there's four books and it's and it's they're based in Australia and it's about this female detective Harriet Blue and God they're fantastic. Okay, um, cool. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, there. that's cool. Uh, favorite TV show. The Simpsons, classic Simpsons classic. series, seasons one to eight. <laughs> yeah, I think like the Conan O'Brien years were. The Conan O'Brien, I was going to say the Conan O'Brien, <laughs> the Conan O'Brien years. Yeah. Uh, not to make it more difficult, but favorite film. Again, I won't say one, but just the series, the the Bourne, the Jason Bourne. Uh -huh. 
movies. Yeah. Born Identity, Supremacy, Ultimatum. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Favourite musical artist? Eric Clapton. Ah, oh, very nice, very nice. Uh, Favourite food? You can't be a perfectly done, for me, a perfectly, perfectly cooked ribeye, you know, and then with some, like, some some sort of good some sort of good potato like a nice you know like like some roasties or, or yeah some, like something like but yeah a, a, a perfectly cooked ribeye for me is kind of I'm always going to be happy with that. Excellent, excellent. Uh, favorite place to eat on the road? <clears throat> um, Cracker Barrel. Excellent, always a popular I'll answer. Be the country, the, the value, man, the value for money. The country boy <laughs> breakfast, dude. I mean. Like, I, you know, when I was first, come, when I first came to the States, it, you know, I got introduced to a lot of those things like Waffle House, you know, and, and I was like, man, Waffle House is for, at the time, you know, when I was, obviously I have to watch it a little bit more now because my metabolism isn't as strong as it used to be, but, you know, being able to just go in there and be like, okay, you have to remember, you you have the same, I've been to Australia and you, it's, you know, you're, you're, you guys are probably closer to England on this in terms of your sort of food culture. It's a bit more like, okay, let's, let's be sensible here. But when you're, if you're like, you're trying to, trying to pack on muscle and size and stuff and like, you know, you come to the States and like just uh, the yeah. readily available uh, amounts of high quality food and in the quantities is still just like mind blowing. But just, you know, going to, you can, there's so many 24 hour restaurants and just like, you know, I remember, I mean, I would just, the, that my first year, I was just so easily pleased. I was so happy, you know, like these guys go, oh, I guess we'll go to IHOP. And I'd be like, oh, IHOP, I love IHOP, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because to me, it was just so cool that you could go in there any time of day and be like, and, and you know, being able to just say, oh, I, I want an extra chicken breast and them not to look at you like, you want a what? Like, oh, hold on, let me talk to the manager. Like, there's big, yeah, sure, okay, no worries. Like, it's just, and, but yeah, but Cracker Barrel, man, Country Boy Breakfast, you can get steak and eggs, you get biscuits, <laughs> apple butter, you know, the whole nine yards, fried apples, the whole day, 10, 10 bucks. Oh, mate. I mean, you just can't, you just can't beat that. That sounds fantastic. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've heard a lot about the portion sizes over in the in the states because uh, people expect to take food with them when they leave or something like it's, that. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's amazing and frightening at the same time. <laughs> uh, there's three to go, Nick. Uh, favorite alcoholic beverage? Uh, Moscow Mule. I'm not sure what that is. Could you enlighten it's, me? It's vodka, vodka, ginger ale, and lime. Oh, sounds good. Uh, second last one, Nick, the naughtiest one of, of Five Second Frenzy. Your favorite female body part, if you're going to check out a good-looking lady, uh, if there's an attribute of theirs that you go to first, what do you go to? Titties, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look. Like, I'm not saying it's got to be, but, you know, let's face it, like a perfect, you know, a perfect pair. It's like, and there's, there's nothing, there's nothing more, uh, there's nothing more enchanting than that. <laughs> Fantastic, Nick. And the last one is your favorite curse word. Oh, <laughs> this is like inside the actor's studio. <laughs> this is where I stole it from. Favorite swear word. I stole um, it. <laughs> well, I will, I mean, honorable mention for fuck, because <laughs> it's, so, it's just so, it's just so versatile, but, um, you know, one I like is dipshit. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, it's, it's like just a, a little bit less offensive, but it's still, but it, it's just so accurate. Like when you use it in the right context, it just so accurately conveys <laughs> Like, how do you know if you when 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 you say like, what a dipshit! <laughs> like you just know immediately what what you're talking about, you <laughs> yeah, know exactly. Yeah. Um, and like, 
I think, and and obviously I've lived in the States now for, gosh, almost, uh, what are we now, 2021? 20, so almost 11 years. Um, so I think sort of, so the American sort of cuss words have now sort of, they've sort of taken priority in my vernacular, but it's a bit like, uh, so dipshits are like the American equivalent of wanker. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, someone can just, you know, you can, it's like if you're sitting, you know, British cynicism, you can be sitting in a pub with someone and you can just see someone come in and they sort of, you know, and they're sort of acting up and, you know, being whatever, or they just sort of, you know, like some guy comes in, he's got a Bluetooth headset on, you know, oh yeah, I've got my, uh, blah, 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 and, and, you know, you just sit there, wanker. <laughs> yeah. But like, see here, you're like, I'm a dipshit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, good call, bro. Good call. <laughs> uh, well, Nick, I, I really want to thank you for your time here today being on the show with me. My face now hurts from laughing, so that's great. Um, so I know that I've had a good time, and I hope you have too. And I just wanted to say the most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia, is where I'm from. And you have a whole group of, of people here that are fans of yours. So to have that kind of reach, I think, is something special. So I just wanted that's to let great. you know that you're appreciated from all the way over here. Oh, that's very cool, man. I think I've wrestled in Perth. Um, I want to say when we did the House of Hardcore tour in 2018. Oh, I think of course, of course. And I, I think... I. I think it might have been at a theme park. Yeah. No, I think I know what you're talking about. It was it was so fun. <laughs> that tour that whole tour was fun, but I remember like we were <laughs> I remember that um like we like our sort of dressing room area was just sort of like this this sort of staff catering area, like so but like behind all we were sitting amongst all these rides and I I said this is the most Australian sounding this is the this is the most perfect Aussie like theme park ride I've ever heard. It was called the Little Butte Toot Toot, <laughs> and I just everyone just we all the like we were all, like Mick Foley was on that tour and like Billy Gunn and like as and we and we just I just kept walking around and I don't know why but I kept saying it like in Ric Flair style <laughs> like just like and I'd be like the Little Butte. <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude, brother like and it was I don't, it was just oh, that was one of the big things we took away from that tour like every every time we get on a plane i'd be i'd come on and like mick would get on and i'd be like the little bit too too you know and he'd just start like busting up laughing i was like that's the, that's the most aussie thing i've ever heard in my life <laughs> it absolutely isn't it well thanks for sharing that with me bro uh and i'll let you get on with your day just want to thank you so much again for doing the show with me no problem man thank you it was a lot of fun Excellent. Thank you, Nick. And thank you to everyone out there for watching the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California Fury, here with the World Heavyweight Champion, and we will see you next time.